Welcome to This Isn't About Me, a podcast that's not entirely about me. I'm your host, Leanne Velke, and in this podcast, I aim to have deep conversations with cool people I know. Each week, I bring you a new voice with a new story and new perspective to share. If you resonate with what you hear, make sure you hit subscribe and feel free to head on over to Instagram to follow me at Leanne Velke. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the next episode of This Isn't About Me, and I am very, very excited to be joined by my sweet friend, Chelsea Jarvis. Um, wow, thank you. Yay, I'm so excited to have you here, and um, thank you very much for being here. Thank and, you for having me. And per usual on this podcast, I'm just going to let you introduce yourself um and tell us a little bit about you and then we get to dive into all the good fun stuff yeah so thank you Leanne for having me um I'm a relationship coach my my company is magnetic femininity mm. and um basically I help women who are either dating or who are in a relationship that they want to improve um and definitely some people who aren't even ready for a relationship right now um to find themselves as a woman within their relationships, to, to experience more joy and more passion and more safety and more, more of everything they desire in relationships. Mm, Yes. I love that. And I love, first of all, your company name, magnetic femininity, just like let that sit and land for a second, because (laughs) what a beautiful image and what a beautiful like business name which I just am obsessed with so thank you (laughs) I am too (laughs) as you should be um (laughs) so we met five years ago at shine live right yeah yeah well it'll be five years this year yeah yeah as as part of Chantel Adams group or um I think we did so we did a speaking program first like online and right. Okay. You were in that program as well. So that's, we we met in the in-person thing of that, right. The in-person event for that. So I wasn't at center stage for like the, like the practice that practice weekend, but I was part of center stage, like the big program, but I couldn't come to like a couple weeks apart. (laughs) (laughs) So it was at shine live that we actually met in person. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, um, I remember the thing I remember most about you was you singing on stage, which literally (laughs) just like made me cry, brought me to tears hearing you sing. Um, and then I just, I feel like after that, when you got off the stage, I feel like I just was like, I need to give that girl a hug. (laughs) Oh, I love it. That's what I remember. It was so fun. It was such a fun weekend. Um, But obviously that was five years ago and a lot has changed in your life since then. I know. Just a little bit. (laughs) A few things. Um, So I would love to just hear from you, like tell the story and we'll just sort of like see where it goes and see what's been going on with you. All right. Well, in, in 2018, what I was, I moved from Montreal to British Columbia. 
um, right before that event, like a month or two months before that event. So I, I was already in the midst of a massive life change mm-hmm. <laughs> at that point, still adjusting to my new surroundings, you know, going from living downtown in a big city to a small town in the mountains, living out in the boonies. <laughs> and I loved it, by the way, or I still love it. I like, I still live here. Um, but of course, then the next year in 2019, the biggest life change of all happened, which was I left my marriage mm-hmm. and that, um, like, I'm happy to go into that story in much more detail. Um, I had been married to my husband for 10 years together for 12, uh, actually, according to him at that time, it was nine years and 61 days because it left right before our 10 year anniversary. (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, he's not bitter about it anymore, but at the time when I would say 10 years, he'd be like, no, it was 961 or nine years and 360 days, 61 days or whatever. (laughs) Oh my God. That's funny. Yeah, I was like, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I was like, I saved you from getting a 10-year anniversary present. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> There's always a plus side. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was in August 2019. And the first few months spent just sort of navigating living situations and childcare situations, navigating like how we're dealing with this, navigating the kids' feelings about all this. We have two kids who now are seven and 10, but at the time they were only four and seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they were quite young. And um, then at that time, like I had been coaching since 2016, but not on relationships at that time. I had been coaching more in business and just mindset in general. And then in 2019, after leaving my marriage, suddenly my business fell apart. Like Mm -hmm. all of my clients, then it wasn't anything to do with my divorce. It was just their contracts were up and the ones that I was sure were going to renew did not. The ones who were planning to renew decided it wasn't the right timing for them to renew or like they felt complete or for whatever reason, within a couple of months, my income went from like, between seven to $10,000 a month to a few hundred dollars a month. And I, my savings blew through very quickly because I was not prepared for that level of, um, I was not prepared for paying all of the bills myself and having my income wiped out at the same time. (laughs) So um, by February, 2020, I couldn't pay my rent by 2020, February, 2020, um, the first of the month came and I didn't have the money and I didn't know where it was coming from. So at that time, I, my day by day, my landlord was getting more and more impatient with me. He was not a patient man to begin with. (laughs) Um, but by February 18th, I, st- I still had not paid a penny. I, I, every penny I was receiving was going to food or gas. Mm-hmm. That was my, so that my kids could be fed, even if I couldn't be fed. And I did have to skip some meals. I was like, even if I can't eat supper tonight, if I can only have a couple bites of theirs, 
they are fed, they get to go to school, like their life doesn't change. But on February 18th, um, I got a call from my ex-husband and he said, Chelsea, tell me what's going on. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I just talked to Jim, who was our landlord Mm -hmm. or my landlord at that time. And he said that he's that, that you haven't paid rent and he's coming from Mexico to come kick you out of the house. What? And I said, well, I guess that sounds about right. <laughs> and so he said, and I said, so how did you talk to him? And he said, well, I called, I, I texted him for something else. Like I, it was, it was the weirdest thing. I don't know why my ex-husband felt compelled to reach out to him mm-hmm. at that time. But thank goodness he did, because otherwise I would have been completely blindsided. This yeah. man, like the landlord was not planning on giving me a heads up of any of this. He was going to just come and kick me out in front of my kids. <laughs> like wow. that was his plan. And so he thought because we were divorcing, he thought my ex-husband would be on his side and be like, oh yeah, screw her. Like, but my, my ex wasn't like that. He wasn't vindictive to the point of wanting wanting me to experience that yeah <laughs> and he certainly didn't want my kids to experience it so yeah oh my gosh. um he called me and was like here's what he, what's happening just so you know like let's make a plan let's figure this out so um I packed up our house our big three-bedroom house within three days and put all of our stuff in storage and I left the kids with with my ex and I had to go stay with my parents until I could figure out my next step. And that mm-hmm. was February 21st, I think, that I that I actually left the house. And, you know, the landlord, he had said to my ex-husband, you know, oh, I guess you can tell her if you want. And he was like, well, of course I'm going to tell her. She's my, <laughs> she's still my wife. She's the mother of my kids. Like, of course I'm going to tell her. <laughs> right. So anyway, I was able to get packed up and get going and, um, the the whole mess with my landlord like there was no lease in place there was nothing like neither one of us had any legal leg to stand on it was it was crazy so I left for my parents and I remember driving to my parents house that day on February 21st 2020 thinking I have run from myself long enough Mm. I drove there thinking like I know that I caused this. I know that this happened because I've been, I've not been facing a lot of things within myself. There's, I've been doing personal development work for years, but there were some things inside me that I was still avoiding that led to complete financial ruin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, there's, you know, there's still some things. And so I just, I cried and I did EFT tapping until my face was practically bruised. And I, I cried some more. And I spent three weeks at my parents crying and releasing for hours every single day. Not a pity me, poor me kind of crying, but a release. The cathartic, yeah. knowing that it just needs to come out. Yeah. Kind of almost like vomit, but tears. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm familiar. It's, it's, exactly. It's just... <laughs> I spent three weeks for hours a day in the morning, journaling, crying. Like I got so serious about my triggers. I had a a notepad or a note in my phone 
every single time I was triggered, every single time I wrote it on that list, I processed it. I was like, nothing, no rock goes unturned. Nothing goes unprocessed. I am done running from everything. Like I am every comment that someone made that rubbed me the wrong way went on that list. Everything. <laughs> I love it. Everything. I, I faced it all. And then, um, of course, that was in 2020, so it wasn't long before the pandemic hit. <laughs> yep. And yep. I was still, I was still living with family. I was bouncing. I have several family members that are in Alberta, so I was, I have kind of been circulating between the three of them. And so when the pandemic hit, I happened to be in Calgary, staying with my sister, and, you know, life got turned upside down, and I still had no place to live at this point. <laughs> so. <laughs> you know oh, like it was healthy. yeah so it was a wild period of time you know those first couple of weeks of the pandemic not like staying with family in Alberta not really knowing what's going to happen but it did lead to me finding my my first apartment after that a period of time which was a few hours away from where I live now but my ex-husband was willing to work with me because they didn't have to go to school so we were like if I can oh, just, right. yeah, you know, we can do two weeks on two weeks off and meet in the middle in between. Like he understood my situation. He was sympathetic to it. Like he was willing to work with me while I got back on my feet. And so we, um, I found this little apartment and, you know, me and the kids, we were so excited. Like, oh, yeah, the, like it's, it's a new adventure. It's like this new town. And um, then the, the roof collapsed on that building oh <laughs> and it was, oh, and, and the transmission okay. crapped out on my, on my car while I was with the kids. Like it was, and I'm, and I'm laughing at it now because it I was know, just, yeah. it was comical how many things, and like my dad would say things like, oh my God, like you can't catch a break. And I, I remember saying to him this part is just temporary like it can't be like this forever it mm -hmm. it cannot possibly be like this forever and I just I mean there was obviously lots to process especially with a roof collapse like that was a legit trauma terrifying <laughs> but, yeah yeah a hundred percent but it was um it was the kind of thing that we were able to look back on now and be like wow like we actually lived through all of that that's crazy <laughs> yeah and you know after that it's you know it's been three years since that happened now and now like I live in a cute little apartment it's and my life is very quiet and calm and it's so gloriously boring um in the best way you know living in this small little town where I just I do my work I take my kids to school every day I travel sometimes like and I'm now in a in a relationship that I'm really excited about. Yeah. So like that's the condensed version of the, the last few years. Oh my gosh. Oh man, there's so much. <clears throat> you live. So where do we start? Lot. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I always am like, okay, there's so many things. There's so many thoughts. <laughs> Hit me. Um I know. I mean, I feel like I've attempted to have some of this conversation with some people in pieces, but I've never really been able to hit 
exactly on this. And maybe you're the right person to ask this question of, but I know you actually just described it quite well in detail, but the actual like healing process or like going through the, the triggering and the crying and like the processing of stuff. Um, and I know you just sort of like, you actually did talk a lot in detail about that, which I love, but I feel like I've asked people before, like, what is that process actually like? Like, what, what is that? And how do you sort of like go through that? Like, I don't know, for me, there's like a lot of questions about how in there. Because mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of people that don't really know how to actually process like the Very shit true. in their lives and how to like go through that. And I feel like you might be a really good expert on that uh, question. My entire coaching certification is literally about this. (laughs) So yes, I am the right person to ask. (laughs) And I will say, um, personally, um, I have a sticky note on my desk that came up early this year that says I'm healing my heart Mm -hmm. because I realized that my heart needs to heal. Um, and so I feel like these things are kind of interrelated. So this is a sort of personal selfish question, but also I feel like (laughs) something that people can learn from, like you're obviously a wealth of knowledge. And so if there's anything you want to add in there, I would take it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so, I mean, if we think about our souls flowing through us, our consciousness flowing through us and out into the world. If we were to be completely unfiltered with that, we would literally have the life of our dreams. We would have the partner, the money, the the house, the car, like everything. Like if we were completely unfiltered mm-hmm. and just completely living the ex- fullest expression of ourselves with no filter whatsoever, that's what would that would be the result. And so obviously most of us have work to do on that because we look around and we're like, that's not what we're living. (laughs) So the thing is we have resistance. We have, it's like, we have filters, we have the, the resistance. So if you have, for example, a big thing that I had to work through was letting myself experience anger because one of my filters was my anger gets laughed at. It doesn't get taken seriously because I had some experiences as a child where I got angry. And you know, when a kid gets angry and you laugh at them because it's cute, it's funny. And it's like, oh, bless your little heart. Yeah, that really hurt me when when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so I started suppressing my anger and started pretending that I'm not angry when I actually am. Mm -hmm. And therefore that led to a lot of boundaries being crossed and blah, blah, blah. So the work was to release all of the, uh, all of the emotion that is built up behind this filter. Mm-hmm. And so when I had anger, I had, the only way is to learn how to feel this anger, learn how to feel it without directing it at anybody. Cause it doesn't, you don't need to direct it at anybody. In fact, you probably shouldn't because it's usually not about them. Right. <laughs> so, right. um, learning how to just sit on my bed and feel red hot mother effing burning rage mm-hmm. and let a, scream into a pillow or I like doing it in my car actually a lot because my car it's in like it's silent 
like nobody can hear me. So when it comes to like screaming and anger, I would often get in my car and drive somewhere where nobody can see me and I can, I can scream and cry and just do that until for the moment, there's no more. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get your entire lifetime of screaming out in one sitting. So <laughs> yeah. gonna take like this time. is obviously something that whenever I was feeling it, I would have to tend to it. Yeah. Whenever there was more ready to come up, be ready to feel it. And the way that I like to feel my anger is screaming, hitting pillows, hitting my bed, like moving your body. Mm-hmm. And I've had so many people say, I'm just not an angry person. And I'm like, yes, you are, because anger is part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. It's just that you've learned to deny it, maybe for the same reasons that I did, maybe for other reasons, maybe for whatever other, like maybe anger was straight up punished when you were a kid. Like, especially if you're a girl, girls aren't typically allowed to right. express anger. Mm-hmm. So um, you're being dramatic you're being dramatic or just stop that psycho stop crying stop that stop, stop yelling crying. stop yeah. like because you know the parents have a, have a hard time taking it mm-hmm. so that's one example is it like really comes down to learning how to feel and navigate your inner world without resisting anything so doing the same thing with sadness if sadness is coming up a lot of the time our reflex will either be to go to anger because sadness is weak or to cover up our sadness, to please other people and not make them uncomfortable. Um, But like any type of sadness that you don't feel safe feeling it's, it's all built up there behind a filter. Yeah. And so it really is just learning how to sit with yourself and actually feel a sadness. And this is Honestly, it's something that I often have to sit with people on the phone and guide them through it because for someone who's never done it, they're like, what do you mean? Just sit with it. Like, I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not their fault. They've like just never been allowed to do it. So it is one of those things that some people really do require some one-on-one assistance. And like, even a couple of weeks ago, I was in Arizona with a couple of clients and it was a retreat. So I was in the pool with one of the clients and I, there was some stuff that she needed to feel. And some of it was anger. So I said, put your face in the pool and scream as loud as you can. Like, like don't matter place to scream. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I like, she was releasing a lot of pain and anger. And I just said, put your face in scream. And she would do it. I'd say, okay, take a breath. And then go again, go again, like keep going until there's nothing left. Mm, I love that. And it's, so, I mean, not everybody has a pool, but a lot of people have a car or if you don't, you can like even screaming into a pillow. And my kids are no longer alarmed by this because I've told them like, sometimes I just have to feel angry and it's not anything you did. Like there's no, there's nothing wrong. It's just sometimes it's built up in your body and and you need to release it. So they're not alarmed by, <laughs> they're not alarmed by my feelings happening yeah. <laughs> anymore because yeah. I explained to them that it's just, it's a lifetime of buildup and sometimes I need to release it. Yeah. I love that. I have lots of thoughts and memories <laughs> coming in, but um, 
I was just having a conversation with a friend about sort of like the spectrum of emotions and um, they were like sort of mentioning that in their world, they've only really sort of experienced like four of them and Mm -hmm. they're not really used to me in my like vast spectrum of things that I feel, which is a lot. I'm like pretty emotional person, pretty like aware of how I'm feeling. And um, I was just talking and I think this came up on my episode that I did with Sherry, I'm pretty sure. Um, But I was just talking about Brene Brown's book, um, Atlas of the Heart, which is... heard of that one. Yeah, it's super dry. Um, It's basically an encyclopedia (laughs) of emotions is the way I describe Mm. it. It's, I love it because you don't have to like, read it in in its order necessarily and it's a awesome just sort of like I use it as a reference book honestly you can mm. literally just open the table of <laughs> contents and look for um a word and there's like 65 of them in there that you can choose from and well it's said. everything from anger to jealousy to sadness to joy to um, empathy, like all the things. Um, and even if you get it for the table of contents, I feel like it's that in, in itself can be a mind blowing sort of exercise for people. Um, yeah. It's, and then you can go and each chapter sort of like, there is sort of a, an order to the way that the emotions are broken down and, and sort of like a progression of how one sort of leads to another. But even still, you can literally open the chapter to empathy and like read about it for a page or two mm-hmm. and take a lot from that. Um, and it's it it's such a there were things in there I didn't even know, even being a yeah. person who feels a, a vast range of emotions <laughs> on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, and it's just yeah, it's a good, it's a really good reference, I feel like, for for people who maybe are new to emotions or new to like the vastness of emotions that are actually out there because I didn't probably honestly for people like me like I consider my like this is my work this is literally what I do but I'm sure I would still learn something new like it's there's the world of emotions is so wonderfully fascinating and complex like and at the same time it's so simple once you understand it because a lot of people are so afraid to feel things that they perceive to be negative, like anger or sadness or disappointment. But what they don't realize is now they've got all of this anger, sadness, disappointment, whatever built up behind the filter that it's, it's still there. And so what I've found it's, you know, if we think about the term high vibe, being high vibe doesn't mean you don't feel those things. It means that you love yourself through those things. Yeah. And when and you allow yourself to feel them too. Yeah. Right? And well, like, that's what I mean. Like you can't love yourself through those things and then still keep them right. s- stuffed inside. Cause that's rejection, rejection of the self. Yeah. So it's when your soul is experiencing, or even when your human is experiencing disappointment, like you didn't get that raise, you didn't get that, that client, you, that relationship didn't work out, whatever it is. And just saying, yeah, like I feel disappointed right now. And I'm going to be okay. But right now, this sucks. sucks. Yeah. And it's okay. I'm going to cry. I'm going to sulk on the couch for a little while. 
and I'll be okay. And I don't need to, I don't need to vomit it out to the world to get other people to take care of me. Like, this is another distinction that I have to make with a lot of clients while they're still learning how to navigate feeling their emotions without putting their emotions on other people. Because this is, you can receive support. I'm not saying don't receive support and help. But what a lot of people often do is they're trying to get other people to validate their emotions. And what that really is, is you're trying to get other people to agree with you. And you'll know that you're doing this if you need them to react a certain way. Otherwise, they're the bad guy. They're kind of a jerk for not agreeing with you. They're a jerk for whatever. So um, I worked through this with a client recently where I could feel she wanted me to validate her emotions. Mm -hmm. And so I said, can you hear how, like, as you're explaining this to me, the response you're wanting from me is, oh, yeah, like, that's, oh, oh, yeah, like, that's, oh, it's not your fault. Like, (laughs) and where if I were to give you tough love in this moment, it's gonna really sting because it is not the, it is not what you wanted to hear. Yeah. Whereas if you're validating yourself, you're saying, yeah, like, this is what I'm going through here's how I feel about it. And this sucks. And as your coach, there's space for me to say, here's what's actually happening and what you need to do. Or like, here's like what we actually need to look at, but there's no space for me to do that as a coach. If what they're looking for from me is validation, because I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be unkind to them when they're needing validation. Like, obviously I'm not going to be a jerk about it, but my job is to teach you how to self-validate so that when you are with other people, when you are, you know, talking about things, because you're like, you're still allowed to talk to people about what's going on with you. Like, don't keep it all inside, but knowing how to not dump it on them is so crucial and this is where, you know, my client was saying, oh, I just like my friends feel like it's so heavy. I'm like, this is why, because they can feel that you're putting your stuff on them to carry. You're saying, okay, you carry this. You, you do it for me. You carry it for me instead of saying, here's what I'm carrying right now. Mm. Yeah. Massive, massive difference. And I'm like, your friends, they're like, they love you they, they want to carry things with you. They just don't want to carry it for you. Right. Yeah. And so it's like the simplest way you can self-validate it. The simplest way to put it is you're agreeing with yourself. So instead of saying like, but this happened and la la la, blah, blah. Can you hear the tone of voice? Like, but this, like, uh, 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 uh." it's more like, this is how I'm feeling. Yep. It's just, it's like, it's raining outside. Oh, but I hate the rain. Oh, why is it always raining? Ah, versus, yes, it's, it's raining. Yeah. Okay. So what now? Like, yeah, it's, yes, it is. Now what? <laughs> yeah. I love Such that. a different energy. Sorry. Um, I love that so much. Um, I've talked about this on a couple of episodes, but after... Christmas I knew there was just like so much going on in my life uh at the time and I could feel like you know you can like feel the tears bubbling up you can feel them like they need to come out and I'm Mm -hmm. uh, talk openly about how I cry all the time 
and I'm a massive, like I process everything through tears and I could feel it coming, but I just didn't have the time at the time to actually sit and process because, you know, I think like the week leading up to Christmas, I had the kids and I had like all this stuff going on and, um, and I just didn't have the time. So after Christmas, when the kids were with their dad, I was like, this is my time. I set aside that whole week to sit and just cry (laughs) and just like, let that stuff come out. Like, as like what you're saying that you sort of did at your parents' house, like any time I felt like crying, I just let those tears come out. And, Mm -hmm. um, it only, it was like about three days that I went through that of just like sitting by myself and just let those tears come out, but so incredibly healing and processing and, Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was a minute. Sometimes it was, you know, a half an hour of tears. Um, but just so incredibly like healing in just allowing myself to feel the chaos that had been those few months and the craziness that everything that had happened, which was just insanity, um, mm-hmm. felt like at least for me, just a lot. And I think it's just so freaking important to, to be so aware of that, like, and give yourself the time. And, and, you know, I guess from my perspective, like permission granted, if you can't do it right now, but be conscious about making some time to actually process that stuff and to feel it and to sit with yourself and to write if you want to write, right? Like, what is it that's coming up and keep track of that, but also just let yourself, like you're saying, like sit on your bed and scream if you need to, to feel the anger or sit and cry if you need to would have, process all the emotions because like everything comes out through tears for me personally. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because sometimes Same. it's not, sometimes you can't, right? Like there are times when you can't actually just sit and cry and like, publicly mm-hmm. or yeah like time and place for sure <laughs> yeah. on Christmas day all my kids are opening presents I'm not gonna be like sitting and just no like yeah it's like <laughs> Christmas is like core memory time. time so yeah. like that's why I had that list so that I would put it on the list so that I didn't forget to go back to it and and process it yeah but like also I there is time and place for sure and at the same time I don't wait for my kids to be gone anymore. I used to, yeah. I used to wait for them to be gone, but now I do it while they're there so that they can see how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so that they can see that it's normal so that they can like, especially my, my daughter has like fire in like, she is just a little ball of fire. She has so many emotions and like, she's right now she's only seven so like it's obviously still a process teaching her how to how to harness that fire (laughs) in a healthy way that's not destructive because it's still destructive sometimes but it's gotten a lot better um but it's quite it's quite beautiful when you start seeing your kids modeling those behaviors Mm. and seeing my son just be like I'm just you know I'm just sad right now. It's it's okay. Like I'm going to be okay. But right now I feel sad about this yeah. and he'll talk to me about it for a little while and be like, yeah, I'm tomorrow will be better. I'm sure. But right now 
I feel, I feel really bummed out about my friends or whatever, whatever it is he's going through or like he start, he's 10. So he started like talking like a coach sometimes. I'm like, Oh, oh. I love this so much. <laughs> Cause you know, I, I do like walk them through it so much and um, lead them through figuring out their inner world, learning how to just sit with it, sit with the discomfort of it, like sit with, and for them, because they don't have a lifetime of pent up emotions yet, it is easier for them to access, but oh my gosh, it's so cool. Like, it's so cool seeing them be like, you can be angry, but you're not allowed to throw things at me. <laughs> it's okay that you're angry. <laughs> I love that. Um, I know. I'm just like, it's almost like they're raised by a coach. <laughs> also raised by like an emotionally aware adult too, right? Yes. And it's not just your coaching, but also like an emotionally aware grown up. So also- Absolutely you don't necessarily have to be a coach to raise great children who are aware of their feelings and their emotions. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Great point. And yeah, I, I do love that though. And I feel like I'm not there yet, but I do try to be more conscious with my kids and like attempt as much as possible to like remove myself from their big feelings when they're feeling them as I've sort of been going through this separation and like when I moved out and like my 10 year old has had a lot of explosive feelings yeah and moments um and my seven-year-old not as much um he does have his times I think it's different for him but my 10 year old definitely is very like vocal and has had many bouts of just screaming at me for like no apparent reason quote unquote right like there's obviously yeah. reason obviously um and I'm just like I try to just be like what's going on with you right now <laughs> right and like not feeding into his sort of heightened frustrations and anger and emotions and sadness and all the things that he's feeling and trying to just help him process those things and identify them and name them and also ask him I try to be good and conscious about like asking him what he needs in that moment and if he just needs to yell at me then that's fine or if he needs a hug I'm here for that right and Mm -hmm. and just trying to understand that he is feeling a lot and processing a lot and there's been a lot of times where I've been taken back by things that he said that I didn't even like realize he was thinking or mm-hmm. we're going through his mind or like connections he's made to things that are either true or not true. Um, it's really fascinating. Like when you can take yourself out of it and also just like ask them and listen to what they're saying and, and, sort of validate what's going on in their world and the way that they're processing their stuff and yeah and having those conversations and you know they're obviously no stranger to tears because I do cry (laughs) in front of them or I'm like you know mommy's having a hard day today and it's just like a tough day and 
um, they're used to seeing tears and seeing me cry. Right. And they're no stranger to that. Um, but I do try really not always easy, but try to hold them in their emotions and their, yeah. their big feelings. Cause they are big and they don't really know, you know, what to do with them. Um, mm-hmm. And they make at- meaning of things that you're like, how on earth did you make that mean that I don't love you? Like it's, like sometimes I, yeah. I, I'm just like, oh my gosh, honey, like, thank you for telling me so that we can have this conversation because anything that you're ever making it mean that I don't love you or that I love your sister more or like whatever, I, I can already tell you it's not true, but let's have the conversation so that we can talk about it when it comes up. Like sometimes our brain just plays tricks on us. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, it does. <laughs> it's, it's like he, one time it was like, because the last time you, the last two times we went to McDonald's, you sat, you sat next to Emma instead of me. Like, I didn't even know. I didn't know. I wasn't paying attention to that. Like, I just sat down. Like, I didn't freaking know I was like traumatizing my child. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what I tell parents that like I work with. Cause they're like, oh, I don't want to damage my child. Like, like you're gonna, because they take things and run with it in their brains that you have no control over. Like, even if we think about the things that we thought of as a kid, like, oh, this means X, Y, Z about my parents' love for me, or the, or this means about money or about relationships or about power or whatever. Like, when I tell my mom some of the things that I made meaning of, she's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, like random things like I pulled out her wallet like I was playing with her wallet one day and I I pulled out there was this big stack of cash in her wallet and I pulled it out and I was playing with it and I was like wow like we're rich and she's like yeah too bad none of it's for me or like because it was all for bills and stuff right and for me that made it mean I made this entire story of oh money's not really mine like I don't get to keep any of it and you can imagine how that played out for so long. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. And I told my mom that and she's like, really? I was like, it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Like for some reason, my brain just latched onto that and made an entire career out of it. Like that became my religion. <laughs> just like, <laughs> so I tell my, I tell parents that I work with, like, you will not be able to get them out of childhood free of any wounds, free of any stories, like that doesn't exist. Right. So just do your best. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do your best to make them feel loved and like, they're going to be okay, but they're not going to get out. Like we all need therapy or coaching or whatever, like every single one of us. (laughs) Yeah. They won't come out unscathed. Um, (laughs) at my, at my 10 year old, like 10 year appointment in the fall, um, you know, our pediatrician was like, Oh, so, you know, you're going through some big changes right now and in your life. And he's like, do you have, he asked two questions and it was really funny. I can't remember exactly what they were, but something like, you know, like, do you feel like you have support to like talk about it or like a place to go or whatever? And he pointed at me and to say like that I was a place of support for him, which was, really sweet and then the doctor was like do you have something like almost to the opposite like do you 
what do you do when you're like feeling angry about this stuff or like, you know, when you have big emotions and he like points at me again, he's like, Aww. he was like aware that he was like, that he was processing stuff, <laughs> yeah. which was sweet and hilarious. And also like, you know, damn it. Yeah, I am sort of the, the punching bag right now but I get you know I get it and I'm also you get it yeah I'm like that I am that place for him right and and that's really because you have the opportunity to like them. give him some safe practice grounds because a lot of a lot of parents who didn't grow up with emotionally intelligent parents they're like my child will never speak to me that way but the thing is they like they're still figuring out how to express their anger and they need to have a safe place to make mistakes like they need, like your son, your sons need you to be able to handle it when they don't do it perfectly. Cause they're not going to, they're, they're seven and 10. That's how old they are. Yeah. Yeah. So like, they're not going to say it perfectly at right. this age. They're not like, so saying like, no, you can't talk to your mother that way. Like you can set boundaries, but like say like shaming them for the way they're expressing their anger is not going to be helpful. So like the fact that he knows that like he's able to process that with you and he's still going to be loved at the end of the day. He's still going to be accepted. Like nothing changes in your relationship except he's able to practice <laughs> learning how to express anger and being guided through that. Yeah. And without losing love. Yeah. Yeah. And without feel feeling that. unloved. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say the one other thing I was thinking of while you were thinking about that, and then I want to, I will switch a little bit, but, um, in this, in the fall, I was at, um, women's sleepaway camp with, uh, Alexis Dean called, um, Camp Dovetail. And, so um, the last day we did a, a thing with rocks and we, we did like a, what you're going to take home with you and what you're going to leave, I think was the practice. And, um, so we like infused two rocks, one with like what we're going to take away with us when we leave camp and then what we're going to leave behind when we leave camp. And then we all went outside and we like threw the leave behind rock out at most people threw it into the um, lake that we were staying on and just like went to leave that. And as I was coming back in, I was walking with a couple of women that I hadn't really bonded a lot with, but we were just sort of talking. And one of them was like, I really just like want to scream right now. And I was like, let's do it. Yeah. And she's like, what? Okay. And so we took, we grabbed, like, there was five of us that happened to be like the last like stragglers going back into the building. And we all stood at the top of the amphitheater thing and we held hands and we all just like screamed out into the lake oh. at the same time, which was just <laughs> like amazing. such like, yeah, it was such like a therapeutic and beautiful moment of just like sisterhood and seeing each other and holding each other and releasing like all at the same time. Yeah. Um, of course, we got yelled at after that, that we needed to come inside. <laughs> <They're> like. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, all right, you're Flip done. 
<laughs> but it was just like, oh, it was such a good moment. And sometimes mm-hmm. you just do need to scream and get it out and like, let yourself feel that. And then yeah. like, hug the people that are there to witness it with you too, right? Like we all, I think, mm-hmm. just turned to each other and hugged each other after that. We're like, oh, it felt so good. <laughs> I've done that with my daughter sometimes because she does have such fire. I I told her, okay, come on, let's go get in the car. We're going for a quick drive. And so we get in the car and I say, we both need to scream right now. Like we are both on edge. We're both like just, so I was like on the count of three, we're just gonna scream as loud as we can, as long as we can. And we're in the car where no one can hear us. And so we did it. And like, I was like, don't you feel better? I feel better. She's like, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Mother daughter activities. <laughs> yeah. I know. Screaming in an empty car. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I mean, so important, you know, like I, I, I let my kids do that too. Like, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I see, I see you right now. I understand that you need to scream and I'll give them like, a a time period or like a certain number of screams that they can do. And I'm like, get it out, get it out of your system. (laughs) I know you need to do it, but we're not going to continue to do this all night. I'm not going to have you just scream all night at me like this, but like scream as loud as you possibly can, you know, for three times or whatever and get it out. And then we're going to move on. (laughs) We're going to go forward. Mm -hmm. Um, and it does work. I mean, it does, it works for them to get that out and to move through it. And then we'll usually take some deep breaths together. I'm yeah. really big on like taking deep breaths with my kids and also like setting a certain number that they need to get to. And if they are still not calmed down after that, I'm like, okay, 10 more. If you're going to like fight me on it or you're not going to do it right, then we're going to sit here. We're going to do 10 more deep breaths. And then, you know, we do a lot of hugging in our house and a lot of crying. Um, But it does, I mean, it works so well also, I feel like just to like regulate them and bring them down when they're in those, those heightened states of. Yeah. It's giving them tools that they'll be able to use for life. I mean, I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, we all hope so. (laughs) We'll see how it plays out in teenager years and adulthood and all that. it'll be it'll be interesting <laughs> it'll be a journey um oh my gosh so we've already been on for forever um it's like 45 minutes oh my gosh um, I know it's so crazy but I do want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about like your your actual not that this is actually your all actual work but um, you are a love coach, right? Mm-hmm. Is that a shortened version of what yeah, you- relationship coach? Yeah, <laughs> relationship coach. Um, I'd love to like just give you space if you want to talk about, you know, how you got to your relationship or what you do with your clients or any, you know, anything you want to share because you are such a powerful. Um, an influential person in this area, I feel like. And we've, while we have sort of talked about some of the things, I feel like there's still so much more there. We oh, even well, there's always going to be so much more. We could talk for a week and there would still be so much more. <laughs> I know. So like, yeah, I, I mean, this, 
the emotional work is a big part of what I do with my clients. Like it's not the only part, but it is a big part. Um, what I also do with my clients, because I, I specialize in a specific type of relationships. I don't just, I'm not the coach for just like, oh, we just want to stop fighting and we just want to be healthy and we just want to be like, you know, kind of neutral and like kind of bipping along happy. That's not what I, that's not what I do. I do healthy, yes, but also passionate and attracted and magnetic and fun and playful and like going so far above and beyond what most people deem a good relationship I'm not interested in good like mm, yeah good either. good is like the bare minimum that's like yet you need good to build on but then let's build on it let's let's keep going let's not stop at just good yeah and so the a big component of that is the energy you need to have energetic polarity between masculine and feminine energy which just to be clear for anyone listening does not mean men and women it's right. not about it's not about gender um in fact sometimes it's a masculine energy woman and a feminine energy man sometimes it can can, can be completely the opposite of what you would expect mm -hmm. so it really is you need to have a yang energy, which is masculine energy and a yin energy, because it's that opposing energetic force that creates the magnetism. And the way that I often explain it in, um, I have two big analogies that I use. One of them is the magnets that are on your fridge. How long have those magnets been on your fridge? Probably years Forever. and years yeah. <laughs> forever. I have magnets that are probably 15 years old on yeah. my fridge and they still stick like yeah. it's, it's energy. It doesn't like it. People say, mm -hmm. oh, attraction fades after the honeymoon period. No, it doesn't. You just don't know how to maintain it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like that's like saying buildings just automatically become crap after a while. No, they don't. Not if you know how to maintain them. Like it's, right. but most people don't know how to maintain them. And between the paradigms of patriarchy and extreme feminism, like are I, like we have gotten so skewed about who we actually want to be in a relationship because we're told from all directions who we should be so it leaves us feeling like if i'm too feminine then i'm a bad feminist or if i'm too masculine then the patriarchy's mad at me like it's it, it, it's it doesn't leave us feeling free to be who we actually want to be yeah. in a relationship yeah and when two people when you have one person who's naturally very masculine, who's a leader, who loves to initiate, who loves to protect and provide and be that, that stable, solid energy most of the time. And then someone else who wants to be the like playful, feminine, like all about beauty and emotions and all of that. It's just so magnetic and it doesn't fade over time as long as those roles are not roles, but those energies are respected. And sometimes you'll flip, like sometimes the more feminine energy person will like step up in certain areas or take accountability in certain areas. Uh, and the masculine energy person will be more emotional or more like the playful presence. It can go back and forth sometimes, but what creates long lasting attraction is the magnetic pull between the two opposing energies without that you will be room roommates and friends 
but not lovers over time. Like it's not that, that magnetic attraction can't be sustained without those opposing forces. So there are other types of relationships where people don't actually desire to have all of that passion good for them, but that's not the kind of relationships that I help people with. So it's the, 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 electric or not the uh, electric but the magnetic force is one component the second big component that we work on is your self-love and really being in your own power so that when you are interacting with your partner when you're interacting with your relationship and making choices for your relationship you're not doing it from a place of trying to prove you're worthy you're not doing it from a place of trying to gain power and engaging in a power struggle with your partner. Like you're not, there's no pedestals or anything like that. It's just you being your full self coming to the relationship with a full cup so that you're not arriving to your partner with an empty cup, expecting them to fill it for you, but saying like, I'm happy. I'm healthy. I feel beautiful within myself. I have friends. I have hobbies. I have things that I do to take care of myself like I'm very fulfilled in my life. And then I also have this relationship that's amazing. That's just like another area of my life that adds to me, that feeds into me that, you know, and, and, and relationships start to feel like a burden for both people when somebody is coming to the relationship, expecting for their partner to fill their cup. Yeah. It's when you don't know how to fill your own cup and you're saying like, you're the reason I'm unhappy. You're the reason like my life feels like crap. You're the reason like if you were give me, if you would give me more of this, if you would do more of that, then my life would be better. But that's not how it works. It's, and you know, when I left my marriage, I, the first time I wanted to leave my marriage was in 2017. And I realized that I was still coming to my husband with an empty cup. So I was like, okay, let me see what happens when I fill up my cup. And let me like, let me spend a couple of years or however long focusing on me and let's just see what happens. And it did impact my relationship in a really positive way in so many ways. Like our communication got better. Our interactions got easier. I no longer felt resentful of him, but a couple of years after a couple of years, I realized I'm really happy in my life kind of in spite of him not really like it, it doesn't this relationship is not adding to me like it's 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 like I'm having to fill up all of my cup and it's kind of feels like he's the one who drains it even though my cup feels full most of the time it's kind of in spite of him not because of him yeah so also <laughs> while we're just on the analogy I am also feeling like the partner cannot also be the thing that fills the cup either. No, absolutely so not. You're saying like, um, you know, it can't be the reason that it's being <clears throat> drained, but it also cannot be the thing, the reason that it's being filled. Um, mm -hmm. And I just say that from, I guess, a personal experience of, of, you know, like I cannot be the reason that you're happy. No, like, I cannot be, I cannot be the thing that fills your cup. Like you, that is Doesn't on work. you to fill. Right. And it, you know, it, I also can't be the reason that I'm draining your cup and you can't be the reason that 
my cup is being drained, but it can't be the filling either. Like it has, to, I, I so yeah. see that like the cup has to be filled outside of that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And like in the right relationship, when you're both just taking care of yourselves and you're filling your own cups and then you interact together and it's magic, even mm-hmm. if, <clears throat> even if you've been together for decades and, you know, my, my parents are an amazing example of this that I often refer to because they were really the first relationship that I saw that I wouldn't say it was always healthy because they definitely had their journey, but now it is. Now it's like, they always loved each other. <clears throat> Pardon me. Let me just take a sip of water here. Yeah, no worries. <clears throat> they always had love and attraction, but they didn't have communication skills. Um, they both needed to learn how to love themselves. So they, I wouldn't say we always had the healthiest relationship, but they found their way there. They went to therapy, they did the things and, you know, they, they did find their way to a really healthy and beautiful place that also includes attraction. And so it's, even if you've been together for decades, you filling each other's cup doesn't work. Like if you've got to be filling, you fill your own cup. So she takes care of herself. Like she, you know, devoted to exercising and eating really well and taking, like doing things that make her happy. And then he, you know, has his man cave stuff and he goes hunting with his buddies and all this stuff. Like they both have their things that they love independently of the relationship. So that when they come together, then like all the magic is still there. They, they enjoy spending time together. They're attracted. Like they still have so much love there mm-hmm. and it's you just it people want to say like oh but my partner should you know they should fill my cup like no <laughs> this is <clears throat> one of the biggest things that we have to unlearn that your partner cannot be your source mm-hmm. and you have to be your own source and you know when it's actually objectification when we start trying to use our partner as our source of validation, of worthiness, of love, of whatever, like they can't be our source. They can be a source, but they cannot be the primary source. We have to be our own well of love and worthiness and all of that. And then they can like add to it. Your partner should be an affirmation of your own worthiness. They should not be the source of it. Right. And they should also not be taking away from it. Like, I wouldn't say just because you feel so worthy within yourself that that means your partner doesn't like, oh, they, they don't have to add to it. If they're not adding to it, what are they doing in your life? You know, right. <laughs> like, like I would never choose a partner who's not like adding to what I've already got going on. Otherwise, like I just, I'll just be single. But the reason I chose the partner that I'm with is because like, I never, ever, f- we're in a long distance relationship. I never feel the lack of him. Like, I never, I could count on one hand the times that I've felt an absence of him. And it, and it always had nothing to do with him. <laughs> it yeah. was always because I needed to turn within and take care of myself. But I, I don't feel lack with him. So every time I get a text or a phone call or a video or a voice note or whatever, it's like, like, it's, it's fun. But when I don't get those things, I'm not like, I haven't heard from him. What's he doing? Does he still love me? Yeah. Yeah. Never. Like, yeah, I don't like actually the one time when 
I didn't hear from him all day. And I realized it was nighttime. And I was like, huh, like normally I've, I would have heard from him at some point today. And I actually felt worried, not for our relationship. Like I knew we were fine, but I was actually terrified because I knew he, he drives a motorcycle and I was actually terrified because I knew he was traveling that day. And I was like, did he get in an accident? Like I, I, I was scared that something had happened, but not because of like, oh my gosh, what if he doesn't like me anymore? Like there was, yeah. there was none of that. And it turns out he had lost his, his phone and got stolen. And so he actually had to like, go find a friend, like go, go to a friend's house and like get his friend's phone so that he could text me and let me know, like, I'm okay. I'm not dead. Like I'm fine. But I, that's what happened. And it might take me a day or two before I get my phone again, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So there is no lack when, and you know, when I'm dealing with him when I'm or when I'm dealing with that sounds so like <laughs> but it's because it literally never feels like that but when I'm interacting with him it's just it's it's always it's always abundance it's all like there are no empty like what you do in texts like it's just he what he adds to my life is so valuable but if if it were to not work out I would be heartbroken for sure but like I've still got so much going on in my life. I know I would be okay. That's that makes it very easy to open my heart and allow myself to see where this goes is because I know that the worst that'll happen is that it won't work out. And I will, I will be okay. If that happens, it would really suck. Like I, (laughs) I would for sure need a few days to just mope on the couch and, you know, to cry. and, and cry and, and maybe eat some feelings. ice cream and watch Netflix. Like I would definitely need time to grieve it, but I don't like, I'm, I, it's very easy for me to open my heart and let him offer what he wants to offer completely freely. And just, cause we're still in the early stages. It's only been about four months. So it's very easy for me to just lean back and let him show me what he wants to bring to a relationship. So the self-love piece is really crucial. And then the third big piece is the communication, Mm -hmm. which is (laughs) the bridge between two people. It's that it's what actually forms the connection and deepens the connection and creates intimacy. And it's the, the maintenance that keeps the building in amazing shape for centuries. You know, old buildings are so beautiful and they have a charm that new buildings don't have, but only if they're well-maintained, right? (laughs) Like, and Otherwise, do old they... relationships too. Like, how much exactly. do you just love seeing, like a of like a really old couple? Yeah, are clearly still in love with each other, and mm-hmm. like you know, they're still like dancing in the kitchen or walking down the street holding yes. hands. They're like, like the man in the suit and the woman in her little like hat or whatever, right? Like yeah. how. How fulfilling is that to see too? I feel like we love old buildings and like the the charm and the beauty of them, but also old relationships is also pretty beautiful. Because it's that age that's like, oh, they've been through stuff and look at them. You right. know, in that building, it's like, it's been through, like I, I, going to Colombia and seeing all of these like old Spanish colonial buildings. It's like, oh, like the such beauty. Mm-hmm. And it's there's just there's such a charm and a beauty and a depth I would Mm -hmm. say a depth to them that doesn't exist in newer buildings and new relationships are so fun and they're so amazing but 
it gets to be even better over time. I, I believe that from the bottom of my heart that it does get to just get better and better and better because now I know how to maintain it. <laughs> like yeah. now I know from learning the hard way and sometimes from like, I've invested so much in my own communication skills, my own mm-hmm. relationship skills. Like I've hired coaches, I've done programs. I've like, I've invested so much in this for myself that I know that whatever relationship I end up in, in 50 years, it's going to be even better than it was even better than it is now. Like it's going to be different, but it's going to be so amazing. And I have no doubt we'll be that couple dancing in the kitchen because that's already, that's already who we are. Like, it's just, that's, that's who I am. And I know that any partner that I'm with, like, that's, if they're with me, it's because they're a match for that. Yeah. So that communication skills is what keeps, it's the maintenance that keeps the building in good shape for many, 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 many years. It keeps the corners free of cobwebs. It, you know, keeps the, um, the rugs from having things swept underneath it. And, you know, it keeps things in really impeccable shape so that it ages really beautifully. Yeah. I feel like it's the the renovations too, if you're talking buildings too. Yes, like it's, it's absolutely like the updates, right? And like the, mm-hmm. the maintenance in that way of, you know, this is outdated. Let's like, let's add to it or let's redo mm-hmm. it. Let's put some new wallpaper up or whatever. Um, or the restoration. If it's kind yeah. of down in the dumps, it's also the restoration. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Like there's, I have gotten to experience some really great relationships with some really good communication and it's Mm -hmm. it really makes a world of difference right like when you can say like this really hurt me and this is how I was feeling and this was my experience and you can listen to the other person say well this is this was my experience and this is how it felt for me and and process through that is pretty freaking invaluable Mm -hmm. I've I've felt the (laughs) the power of that in contrast to other relationships I've had where you just like you can't get past like a certain level or you can't really process those things and it just eventually implodes I feel like it's just yeah yeah like defensiveness and trying to be right and like avoiding or punishing people like it's just these are the things that we're taught growing up it's what our parents modeled it's like a whole mess and people a lot of people think like oh if I'm not doing that then I'm doing pretty good and the reality is like you there is such thing as like okay communication where like okay you know we're we're doing better than our parents but it's like, there's a whole other world there of communicate of, of what's possible that people have never even seen. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually like in my, fa- my free Facebook group, I actually am doing right now a series of examples of really amazing communication because some people are like, they just, they can't even conceptualize what that would look like when I'm like incredible intimate communication. So I've yeah. started modeling and, and saying like, here's a conversation that I had with either my current man or uh, someone I was dating or whatever, this is what it looks like. And there, I posted one yesterday and they were like, whoa, 
okay. Like <laughs> I've never seen that level. Okay. Like they're like, okay, now I, I get it. There's another level. Like, this is not just like, oh, we're communicating nicely and civilly. Like there's a whole other level available mm-hmm. that yeah. most people have never even seen. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, Okay. I'm going to like make a stop because we, I, yeah, we could, I feel like talk about all of this for yeah. <laughs> days, days on end. Um, I will add all of the links to your group and everything. If you're, if you'd like um, yeah, sure. the comments and stuff, people can absolutely get in touch with you. I, I read the vast majority of your posts. <laughs> in case you didn't know that I have learned a ton from following you and watching you and I learned a ton in this conversation in itself so um thank you from the bottom of my heart for having this conversation because I just feel like so many people are going to get so much out of this and I hope everybody ever listens to this (laughs) I hope this is one of the most listened to episodes um so much good stuff and so much gold in here so thank you so much for having me this was so fun oh gosh thank you so much for being here and um yeah go follow Chelsea get in on her programs they're incredible and life-changing from all the reviews I've seen from people yes um incredible work that you're doing and um keep going and thank you for just being you and thank you for doing all this hard work and for being here so Amazing. Thank you so much. All right. We will be back with another episode next week. Bye guys.